Hello, hello. Welcome back and thank you so much for tuning in. We have an exciting episode today. We have another guest. Her name is Anne Guthrie and she has a Master of Science in Nutrition for Wellness from Bastyr University. She's a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach. She's a certified personal trainer through ACSM and soon she'll be certified as an intuitive eating counselor. And I think something that all of us can relate to is that she is also an ex-dieter. Let's welcome Anne. Thank you so much for being with us. We are so excited. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, and I'm so excited to talk about intuitive eating. Before we jump into intuitive eating, we would love to know what is your journey into this area, into wellness? How, when, why did you get interested? Tell us your story. Let's see. So it goes kind of a quite a ways back, I guess. Um, so when I was young, I kind of grew up with sports. I always did like three sports, um, cross country, track, basketball. And when I was in eighth grade, I was told that I needed to lose weight to run faster for cross country. And, you know, that was like an interesting time for me. I was like, just starting to go through puberty and like my body was changing and it was, you know, like as a woman, it's a lot, there's a lot of changes happening. Right. And it's not really like the time to lose weight um, or to focus on your weight. And so in retrospect, I had a lot of disordered eating during high school at the time. I was like, well, I'm just trying to be healthy and like maintain my weight. And because of that, I was kind of like, well, I'm going to teach everybody how to like be healthy. And so I got interested in dietetics because I was kind of fueled by this what I now see was kind of like an obsession with like weight and my body. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to teach everybody how to be healthy, like have the willpower to be healthy. Actually ended up switching out of dietetics because it was a really, at the university I went to, it was just like a really toxic culture. It wasn't helpful for like learning, at least for me. And then I always say that like college track kind of saved me because I got to this point in track where I started to like fuel for performance and start to like eat a wide variety of foods. Like I was training well, I was taking care of myself, sleeping well. That was like my golden era of like healthy habits, you know, because I was like, things were working. But then after college, <laughs> um, everything kind of went downhill. You know, I had um, a really bad breakup. I remember like, it's funny, the things we remember, like, I remember after I stopped competing, he told me that like my body was soft. It was like softer now. And I was like, oh my God. Let's like- go find him. <laughs> and <his vehicle>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like really tough. And that kind of like, sent me into a bit of a spiral, like between that and the breakup and like, just trying to figure out how to exist and like, be healthy without sports where they like tell you where to go, like what your workouts are, you're like feeling for performance, it's very different. So without that structure, I ended up having a really bad relationship with food and dieting, like I was dieting a lot. And that kind of lasted up until grad school. I had kind of similar feelings as like when I went into undergrad that I was like, I'm gonna help people like I'm gonna teach them how to have the willpower to like be healthy but at the same time I was like stress eating and like eating in private and like you know going to school during the day and learning about nutrition and then coming home at night and like eating a bag of like jalapeno lime chips in my room because I didn't want like my roommates to know like what I was Mm -hmm. eating or how much I was eating and I just kind of got to this point where I was like I can't keep doing this and honestly I don't know if there was like a specific time that I was like, oh, intuitive eating, what's that? But I just remember my second year of grad school, my roommate was in Europe for a spring break trip. And I was in our apartment and I like ordered the intuitive eating book. And I like started reading it because I was just like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Like I feel horrible, you know, I'm like binging and I feel awful. And so that was kind of my start with it. And 
through the course of like reading that book and like really digging in more, I was like, wow, diet culture is fucked. How they prey on women and like, and the fact that it doesn't work long-term, it's like, what are, what are we doing? Like what is happening? But yeah, so it's like a long-winded, I guess, story of kind of like how my personal journey kind of like intersected with what I was studying and how I started to kind of like get into intuitive eating. And now like since initially like learning, learning about intuitive eating, it's evolved from like, I'm just going to eat Oreos all the time because I can to like getting to that more like evolved state where it's like, oh, I know that if I eat a bunch of Oreos today, like it's going to make me feel like garbage and I don't want to feel that way. And like, I have a workout later today. Like I enjoy running now that I'm not like just doing it to make my body smaller. So I'm like, I'm going to fuel for my workouts, like, and take care of myself and like eat a wide variety of nutritious foods. But I'm not going to like feel bad if I have an Oreo with my meal too. But it's been so worth it. Like my mental health is so much better now. And just like, and even like what I'm eating, my relationship with food, my body, like everything is different now. Like it sounds crazy when like Evelyn Tripoli, she's one of the founders, one of the dietitians who created intuitive eating. And she's like, it will change your life. And she's like, I know it sounds crazy. And it's kind of like, okay, like everybody says that, <laughs> you know, like, but it does because you're not obsessing over food in your body as much. And you can actually go and like live your life and like be present for the important moments of your life and the things that you really enjoy. Oh my gosh. So inspirational and so relatable. I, I know that you and I, and anybody listening is not alone for those disordered eating, especially in high school and especially mm -hmm. for females and or athletes. I don't want to speak for males or against males, but you're so right that it's a long journey and it's a lot of society that has to mm -hmm. do with that culture, but moving along, what is intuitive eating? Can you describe it a little bit? Yes. I hear the name intuitive eating and a lot of people just assume that it means like, just eat whatever you're craving in that moment. And that's like one of the biggest misconceptions out there about intuitive eating. And I find that it's something that like health and wellness influencers, like also sometimes perpetuate if they're not familiar or like have dug into it deeper. So intuitive eating is like a larger eating framework. It's weight neutral. So it's not about controlling your weight. It's a non-diet approach in terms of like fad diets and like restricting calories, um, like excluding large food groups, like things like that. But it does like there is truth to the fact that like, it encourages you to get in tune with your body, like listening to your hunger and fullness cues, like also honoring like, what tastes good to you. Like nobody wants to just eat chicken and broccoli for their entire life. Like some might say like, oh, but that's healthy. And it's like, well, it is, but it isn't because it's like, if that's all you're eating, you're not getting a wide variety of nutrients it does have to do with all of these different things, but it's also like eating for our health goals. You know, like it's not saying like, if you're diabetic, like screw the diabetic, like food recommendations. Um, like it does take those things into account, but it's also learning to trust our bodies because part of what diet culture does is it tells us that our bodies can't be trusted to tell us when we're hungry and mm -hmm. when we're full and like the kinds of foods that we need. It's kind of like an all foods fit kind of I guess, dietary pattern that works for you. And it is backed by science. There's, I think, over 200 studies now that show like positive benefits in terms of like mental health, obviously, like less rumination, improved body image, but it's also like less binge eating. You're eating a greater variety of foods, like intuitive eaters actually eat more fruits and vegetables. There have been benefits in terms of like cholesterol, triglycerides, glycemic control. So it's not just this like woo woo thing. That's an excuse to just go eat Oreos all day. And I have, I will refer to Oreos a lot because that was one of my, my biggest challenge foods. So it's kind of my default. 
I love when you were describing earlier that you wanted to teach people to have the willpower to be healthy Mm -hmm. and you kept using that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's exactly how we're meant to look at it. And intuitive eating sounds like it's the exact opposite of willpower. It's really just being mindful of what you actually need and what nourishes Mm -hmm. you mind, body, soul in terms of eating. Yeah, absolutely. Because like if you're trying to force yourself to eat a certain way, like it's kind of the psychology of restriction, like, right? Like if you're like, I have to do this, like I have to like not eat Oreos, then what do you, like the only thing you want is Oreos <laughs> that we have to have like the willpower to be able to like improve our health. And I know when I was younger and growing up and like, I would see people in larger bodies and be like, oh my God, they have no willpower. Like they don't care about their health. And it's like, we just don't know somebody's health looking at them, but that was like how I put health on myself as well that I was like, I don't like, I need to have more willpower and like, like insidious way that the diet industry gets to us too. Like they tell it, they basically tell us it's our fault, right? That like, we don't have the willpower to stick to the plan. I've always looked at willpower and self-discipline as something that you need to have when it comes to diet. Um, but you're mm-hmm. right. It does lend to a more restrictive mindset. And then I always end up overdoing it. How about people like me and Carrie? I think that you're in this boat with me as well when it Mm -hmm. comes to chips or other snacky foods. And I just say I cannot rely on my intuition or on my I feel full cues Mm -hmm. because typically when I go ham on that shit, I'm not hungry anyway. I guess my question is what would you say to somebody like Carrie and I that says I can't rely on my intuition? when it comes to that kind of stuff? That is a great question. Honestly, I would say first and foremost, like know that it's not your fault that you feel that way. Like we kind of touched on it a little bit before that like we're we're told for so long and often have like decades of conditioning telling us that like our bodies can't be trusted. So it's natural for us to kind of like not want to listen to it, which snowballs into this like, I can't be trusted around XYZ food. Like Mm. we've been telling ourselves this for so long that like eventually it becomes true. And so people who feel like out of control around food or feel like they can't stop or can't rely on their intuition or hunger cues, sometimes that can be like, there's several things that could be contributing and it can show up in a few different ways. So first and foremost is like, if you're in an overall calorie restrictive state or like restricting for too long, part of dieting is that sometimes we lose our hunger cues. So like that could be part of it. And so an important thing to keep in mind is that like our hunger cues might not be reliable if we are not fueling ourselves the way that we need to. Cause like if our hunger cues are like, well, she's not going to eat anyway. So why am I going to tell her she's hungry? (laughs) Like, you know, we can really, like, we can really like make our hunger cues go super haywire in this way. And so like, I saw this a lot. I actually used to work for a weight loss company. um, And I left because it was not in alignment with like what I have experienced and what I know and the research of intuitive eating. But I would see this a lot, you know, where people would wake up in the morning and be like, well, I'm not hungry. So should I really eat breakfast? And then they're not eating until like one or two in the afternoon. And it's like basically unintentionally fasting. So an important thing to do is to start making sure that we're eating enough and eating often enough. So that's kind of one of the ways it can show up. Like I said, there's a few. So the other one is just like the psychology of restriction. We touched on it a tiny bit before, but telling ourselves that we can't have something immediately makes our brains be like, Oh, that's all I want. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not just with food with Mm -hmm. anything. And that's been like well researched and well documented. And it kind of makes it makes it this special thing. And I've actually had some people who have gone through intuitive eating and the things that they thought were foods that they couldn't control themselves around. And they were like, oh my God, I just love it so much. 
And then they go through intuitive eating and they're like, I don't actually even really like that food. I just like made it this special thing that I couldn't have. And that made me be like, oh my God. But when I was actually like mindful about the experience of eating it and was like fueled well, I was like, oh, I don't even really like this food. (laughs) Like, well, okay, I'm going to stop buying this because I don't like it. Fascinating. And that makes absolute sense. Our psychology has so much power and we are out of tune with it. Like you're saying, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. The other thing is that like, sometimes it might be emotional coping with difficult feelings, or it could even be like boredom eating. Like it sounds like for you specifically, it's like, if I'm not even hungry and I'm starting to eat this, it sounds like it's probably more along the lines of like, this is a special food that I don't usually get to have. So like, I'm just going to treat myself. And then it turns into this kind of like slippery slope after that. And it sounds like it's sort of that like emotional or like boredom eating as well. But it's like, oh, I don't know how to cope with this boredom. I don't know how to cope with these emotions. And so like food is one way to cope. And that's a very normal human thing. But if it's the only way that we're coping, that's when it starts to become a problem because then we're not actually like addressing the underlying need that we're not meeting. In terms of like, so like how this happens, like some of the things that people can do to kind of like work through that. So like first and foremost, eating regularly and eating enough, like making sure that we're feeling our bodies. bodies. Um, and then there's a process called systematic habituation. I like to call it demagicifying food um, because I like I do, I do believe that it's like this magic hold that it feels like food has over us. If it's that like psychology of restriction type thing, like it can feel really scary to have that food around all the time, but it's like incorporating it into your daily routine or like into your everyday routine until you're like no longer afraid that you're not going to have access to it again. If it's chips, maybe it's like having chips with your lunch, but like making sure that you incorporate them like after you're that to, at that point of like primal hunger. Like if you get overly hungry and you're just like slamming down chips, like left and right, you're more likely to go overboard if you're in that primal hunger state. So like you could add it like to the middle or end of your meal, incorporating it every day until you're like used to it and feel like it's like safe to have it in the house. But knowing that they're available, like it takes away that magic hold where you're like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to have this again. And then in terms of like boredom and emotional eating, and I know we were going to talk a little bit more about emotional eating a little bit later on, but it can help to really be present in the moment and uncover that underlying need that's there. So like for boredom and procrastination, it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm recognizing that like, I want to grab these chips because I don't want to get started. Why don't I want to get started? Like what's giving me this like uncomfortable feeling that I don't want to get started. And how can I work through that? Like, is like eating chips for 30 minutes going to make me feel better? Is it going to help? Like, is it going to get me to where I want to be? Or is it literally just a distraction? I'm going to feel like crap afterwards. Like I'm going to feel low energy and unfocused. What role are we trying to make that food serve? And then we can look at like other ways to cope. So if it's something emotional, like if you're feeling, we'll just say, for example, like if you're feeling lonely, just kind of mindlessly, you know, snacking on chips or popcorn or whatever, like noticing that, And then looking at like, okay, what is that that emotion that I'm feeling? Well, I'm feeling lonely. Okay. So what's, what's the need that's like underlying that? Like I haven't talked to a friend in three days. Like I'm really desiring connection right now. So like, is food going to fix that problem for me? Or is it going to make me a feel worse and B like, is there something else that I can do to meet that underlying need for connection? Like, it's kind of like digging a little bit deeper and it's kind of like three steps back from what we might actually think is like happening in the moment. And how do you get to a point, and I'm only speaking again from my own experience, is like I'm three quarters of the way through a bag of chips before I have that pause. That's like, Mm -hmm. okay, is this actually 
you know, am I actually hungry? Asking myself those questions. So how do you get to a point where you implement that pause before you make the decision to go crazy on quote unquote junk food or, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally eat, I guess. Yeah. It honestly, it just takes practice of kind of like continuing to like move back that point of awareness. So like if it's even like before you sit down to eat and like, it's, it's hard to kind of like incorporate these things without making it feel like they're food rules because like rules are kind of like at the root of what makes us feel restricted when we're like, I have to do this, this, and this, but it can help to check in with yourself. What does my hunger feel like? Like, what's the intensity of it? Is it pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? How am I feeling? Like what food might make me feel good? So maybe it's starting at mealtimes to kind of like start to build that in. Cause I think like expecting ourselves to go from like realizing like mid binge and being like, Oh shit. <laughs> like <laughs> I just ate half a bag of chips going from that to complete mindfulness, like ahead of time is maybe not necessarily realistic. So mm-hmm. it's kind of challenging yourself, even in that moment, you know, where you're halfway through that you're like, Oh, okay, this is happening. You like kind of do your analysis. Like, what am I feeling? Like, what's the underlying need? And like, how am I feeling now that I've eaten this half a bag of chips? Like, do I, would I choose to feel this way again? What can I do next time to maybe like catch this sooner? Is that a similar situation for tuning into our fullness? So I'm sitting down to eat. I've realized the food that's going to make me feel good. I am actually hungry in a good way. This is going to fuel me, but maybe I'm somebody that when I start to eat, I don't feel that fullness signal. So I just keep eating, feeling like, well, I'm fueling my body. This is what I'm supposed to do. Would you say it's a similar situation, mindfulness to tune into the fullness as it is to that hunger signal and the needs that aren't being met? It's a little bit different with fullness. And I think what's difficult about like transitioning to intuitive eating is that often we come from like a history of dieting and like under eating for long periods of time. So we'll have this period at the beginning where like we will feel ravenous because our bodies are trying to like make sure that we're getting enough because our bodies don't know that we're on a diet. Like as far as our bodies know, like we're in a famine. It's not like, oh, she's just doing keto for a few weeks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like our bodies don't know that. So they're just like, I'm not getting enough fuel. So I'm going to make sure like that I keep getting enough until I feel like it's safe again. Like she might, what if we're in a famine again in three weeks? It can feel scary because you'll feel like a bottomless pit at first. And you're just like, I can't stop eating. And that is part of the process. A lot of the time for a lot of people is like, you'll be eating, but you still need to like keep that mindfulness and kind of like stay in tune with your body because you should feel full after a meal. But it is really helpful to like bring that mindfulness in and like check in with yourself like throughout the meal. And it doesn't have to be like a whole thing. Like it could be like, you know, your plate's halfway empty and you can kind of check in with yourself and be like, how am I feeling? Do I feel full? Do I feel satisfied? And it's scary at first to be like, this is more than I should be eating or like than I feel like I should be eating, but I'm still hungry or like I'm not to that Mm -hmm. satisfaction point. And it's scary, but it's one of those things that also kind of like needs to happen in order to be able to like learn what your body feels like when it's full, even if it's more food than you think you should be eating. Realistically, like our bodies are very intelligent and they know like what, they know how much fuel we need. They know the nutrients that we need. And so like we kind of undermine it by not meeting those needs, but it's just our body's way of compensating. Like it's a biological response. While you were on your journey and as you, I mean, it's probably never ending, I assume. Is it linear? Like everything's shitty in the beginning and then all of a sudden you never binge eat again and you always check in with yourself or what can people expect 
a month, two months, six months, five years down the road. So I think it's important to acknowledge that everybody's journey is going to look different. Like some people pick it up more quickly. It can depend on like how long you've been dieting, like how strongly that like ideology has a hold on you, but it's definitely not linear. I would say like, you know, similar to many health journeys that we have. And even when I was coaching weight loss, like, like I wouldn't expect it to be linear. I think it's important to keep in mind that it's a learning process as you go and like holding on to that intention that it's like even a month or two later. And even now, like I like, there is no perfect intuitive eating. Like I am not a perfect intuitive eater. Like I do my best most of the time, but there are times that I still eat mindlessly. There are still times that I eat to procrastinate. Like there are still times that these things happen. Does that make me a failure? No, but I can reflect on that and kind of be like, Oh, mm, yep. That's an old habit that came back in that, that I don't really want, like, doesn't really make me feel good. And it's not serving me or my health goals, my mental health, physical health, like all of those things. There's something to be learned from that. Is it reflecting back on the underlying emotions, the underlying needs? Is it learning, maybe figuring out different ways to cope with them, you know, kind of like deconstructing it in retrospect. So talking a lot about the mindfulness and paying attention and what will make my body feel good. I mean, what if what makes my body feel good is Oreos and chips and how does that reflect within our actual health and making sure we're getting nutrition? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think most of the time, like, I'm still like, everybody calls it something different. So I typically call it like fuel foods and fun foods rather than calling it like junk food and healthy food or like healthy and unhealthy. Um, Because when we put those labels on it, we attach a moral value to food. And so it's like, oh, this food is good. That food is bad. And if I eat this food, then I'm bad. Intuitive eating doesn't dispute the science that like there are some foods that are more nutrient dense and have like a higher variety of nutrients. Like Oreos are more energy dense and like probably don't have not probably don't have um, like the vitamins and minerals that our bodies need. I don't want to be super skeptical, but I would find it really hard to believe that like eating just chips and Oreos is what would make somebody feel good Um, overall, just because like you wouldn't be getting the wide variety of nutrients that you need in order for your body to be functioning optimally. Like typically if somebody is like eating those types of foods exclusively, they probably are feeling low energy, like brain fog, like not focused, maybe not sleeping well. So I think I I do have somebody in my life who refuses to eat vegetables. Oh, for taste? Yeah. They're not, they don't like vegetables or at least in their mind, I don't like vegetables. So I don't eat vegetables. I'm like, how are you still alive, sir? I was just (laughs) thinking there's gotta be that one. We're going to have one listener, one person that is like walks at negative four miles an hour. And they're like, I feel so good eating only (laughs) chips. Right. I mean, I guess if that's your truth and like, that's your truth. That being said, like there's so much nutrition knowledge and research out there that like (laughs) most people are probably not going to feel that way. It could also be part of like, you don't know what you don't know. I think it's important to keep client autonomy or like autonomy in, in the equation. Like we, this was like kind of a hard pill for me to swallow actually that like people don't have a responsibility to be healthy or to like aspire to have like really great health. And so if it's somebody's prerogative to eat chips and Oreos all day, every day, and like, that's their truth. And like, what feels good to them? Like they don't have a responsibility to anybody else to like do Mm -hmm. something different. And of course you guys know this from like health coaching as well, that it's like, it kind of has to be a personal choice. Like you have to get there on your own where you want to make those changes and not everybody does. 
But in terms of like a person who is working through intuitive eating and is like getting to the point where they're like, okay, I've had the Oreos. They're not as magical anymore. Like, I think I'm ready for a little bit more nutrition (laughs) in my routine. Starting by asking, like kind of figuring out if you're ready for it, like, my gosh, I have to eat a vegetable at every meal. And then if that becomes like the rule you live by, and it's like, inter- so like, if you get to the point where you're like, I have to have vegetable with every meal, and then you beat yourself up if you don't, then like, maybe you're not ready for gentle nutrition. But if you're to a point where like, you want to be able to choose foods, like that A tastes good, and like give you nutritional value, and you're like not beating yourself up one way or the other, like then you're probably ready to start exploring gentle nutrition. And that can look different for everybody. Um, The important thing is that like, obviously, we've kind of talked about that there's general nutrition knowledge, right? Like whole foods, like fruits and vegetables, fiber, like unsaturated fats, high quality protein sources, like, there's so much data out there about like, what, what a wide variety of like nutrient dense foods look like really it's just like how can you get a wide variety of foods into your into your routine gentle nutrition is one of the principles of intuitive eating and I think that's that gets lost in the discussion sometimes and even intuitive eating coaches you know on Instagram are like eat what you want like look at me eating pizza because this is what I want (laughs) like and kind of like shoving that part of the story down people's throats because gentle nutrition like works best when it comes after like making peace with food, getting in touch with your hunger and fullness cues, like figuring out what foods help you feel satisfied. And then like, you'll find that over time you get to this point where you're like, oh, I'm like, okay, I'm meal hungry. Like I want to feel focused and energized. So like, I'm going to have a Buddha bowl for lunch today. Like it's got a good mix of like protein. It's got some vegetables. It's got some carbohydrates for energy. Like I'll add some dressing on it to give it more staying power. And like, that feels like a good choice. Like a lot of what intuitive eating is, is the intention behind it. So it's like, you could have one person who's going to eat a Buddha bowl because they have to, because that's what their diet says that they're going to have to eat they're doing it because they have to not because they like it. And they're kind of forcing themselves into it. And then you can have another person who's going to eat that same Buddha bowl, but who's like, Ooh, this is going to make me feel good. It's delicious. Like it's aligned with my health goals. And I leave that meal feeling satisfied, nourished, and like energized and ready for the day. And that feels good. A lot of it is the intention of like what you're eating mm-hmm. and like the intention behind it, rather than just like, I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want. It really comes back to that, like mindfulness. Cause like intuitively, like our bodies aren't like, I want to run on, you know, Oreos and chips and Pepsi, like every day, Mm -hmm. like our bodies, like aren't really made for that. So like they want more diverse nutrients and often people who like are eating those like less nutrient dense foods. Those are the foods that, you know, like you eat them and then you're hungry afterwards. And you're like, well, I just ate a whole sleeve of Oreos. Like, why am I not full? Why am I not satisfied? Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you. Other than following you, which we will link, everybody will watch out for our Instagram as to how you can follow her and learn all of this brilliance firsthand from her Instagram as well. Or if you want to work with her, highly recommend. What other recommendations do you have for people getting started? It helps to kind of like start at the beginning. I would highly recommend reading the Intuitive Eating original book by Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Rush. Um, They're registered dietitians. They worked, um, I mean, they've been... I think they came up with intuitive eating in like the nineties. Like it's been around for so long because they kept seeing like their clients failing on diets and blaming themselves. And so, and also working with people with like disordered eating and eating disorders. And so I would highly recommend if you want to kind of like get the broadest scope of intuitive eating, that's a great place to start. Um, If you want kind of like more bite-sized bits of information, 
Evelyn Tripoli did this book called Intuitive Eating for Every Day, like an intention for every day. Each day just has like a little blurb. Oh, that's um, cute. Yeah. And it goes through each principle one at a time. And you like, you don't have to do it every day if you don't want to. Like if you need a little more time with something, like that's totally fine. But it's meant to be set up. There's 365 days for it and you can go through it one by one. It'll just give you like a little spiel, like just a little thing to kind of focus on that week. So it's not this whole like intimidating um, framework that you have to like figure out. Well, and thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on again. So Carrie, I'd like to know what your biggest takeaway was and I'll share mine. And then Anne, maybe we can have you wrap us up and ship us out onto our Mary Oreo way. My biggest takeaway is definitely the psychology behind it and putting that label on food or I can't have that food and how that affects not only the way that I eat, but the way that I look at myself and carry myself and feel confident about choosing these foods or making these decisions for myself. So I loved that aspect of let's strip that away. What do I actually need? What it, what need isn't being met right now? And what can help me meet that need? Whether that is with food, a good nourishing Buddha bowl, or it is with a walk and a talk with a friend. Abby, what about you? I'm with you on all of those things. I think too, you hammering the importance of not relying on or even considering willpower and self-discipline as something to keep in mind was important because that's often where I go. I go right to, I don't have any willpower. I don't have any self-discipline. And I think probably the most interesting concept to me was keeping the foods that you can't control yourself around in the house all the time. So you kind of desensitize yourself to it. I guess to kind of like address the biggest misconceptions that there are about intuitive eating, that it's not just like some woo-woo excuse to just like eat Oreos and chips all the time. And there is science that backs it and it's a process. And so like, if you don't nail it right away, like that's okay, that's normal. You know, like keep trying. It's not gonna just like change overnight. It's gonna take time. It's not gonna be a linear process. Um, And then just keeping in mind like that intention behind it. Like I was joking with a friend and I was like, yeah, intuitive eating, it's like, it's kind of like health without the self-hate. Intuitive eating is meant to be like supporting yourself and your health without feeling like you have to hate yourself. Like, you know, love yourself, give yourself grace. Like it's okay. We're human. Being human is weird and that's okay. You're invited to every episode from here on out, Anne, whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope you all took away something that really resonated with you today. I know I did. Keep being human, keep being weird, and we will catch you on the flip side. If you are with us and believing being human is weird, then like, subscribe, share, all of those things that the kids are doing. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Being Human is Weird. That's where we're going to be sharing resources, inspiration, and news about our podcast. And we would love to hear from you. So slide right into our DMs with questions, comments, and what you'd like to hear more of. And thank you so much for listening, weirdos. 